Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Good morning, and good afternoon, and all of that fun stuff, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages. You know who we are, and this is now the end of the year. Last episode of 2020, and god damn, we came in with so much excitement. And now I think, just like the rest of everybody else, we can't wait for it to get the hell over. Oh yeah, the year of double crits! No. no. Wrong crits. Wrong crits. I mean, it's so Wrong bad fuckers. that Cyberpunk is flopping. It's... And it has straight up been removed from two different game consoles. Systems. It has gotten so bad that even GameStop is allowing people to have no questions asked refunds. Anyway, I'm Game Goblin. And we're actually going to talk about role-playing games and not other games this week. You know, get back to our roots or whatever. In the year, the way we uh, came in, maybe. With dice. With dice. <laughs> anyway, I'm sitting with... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And that other guy... Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. And some dude sitting way off in the corner. Who are you again? I'm Havoc. I was here last time. Oh, yeah, you're Havoc. Right, right. Right. You're so relaxed for such a name. <laughs> uh, it's ironic. Yeah, I'm not really like this normally. It's just outside my comfort zone a little bit. Oh, okay. So you're what's, guessing as what? Havoc, also known as Sedative. Once I get the hang of it, uh, it'll, it'll be a little bit story different story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All things with practice, yeah? All things with practice. So before we actually get into today's topic, I would actually like to give a shout-out to Parlor. And the users of Parlor, the Parlor community, the writers on Parlor, a bunch of our new followers that have shown up on Parlor, our new followers that shown up on Podbean, the handful of people who have taken a casual glance at us on YouTube of all places, even even, and the new people we got on Facebook, surprisingly, and new people on Facebook, even though we do Don't, nothing, we there. do nothing, like. Blasphemous and I are the, the Facebook moderators, and we do jack-all shit, and somehow they keep coming in. Like, thank you guys, but I'm how? on a Facebook hiatus, and I still get the messages going, Bing, new alert. I'm like, fuck, I forgot to turn it off for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well, with the way Facebook is acting, and a lot of the people are now registering with the uh, lack of capability to have people say what they want to say in a public forum... Like on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. Yeah, we we pulled back all of our tent stakes on the, the mass media ones and we're still getting people showing up. So long story short, anybody who's actually listening to our podcast and doing all that fun stuff, thank you. We appreciate you. Hell you yeah. are the whole reason we do this. Well, actually, we throw it into the emptiness and ether, and then you guys just seem to find it, and thank you for that. Exactly. <laughs> so, let's get into today's topic. I think we're getting a little long on the intro. And I believe you... Again. The Hispanic Mechanic... Oh, yeah. ...have a topic for us. So, it's something that Havoc knows very well from my games, and has the use of mischievous... We'll call them fae. You know, otherworldly, magical-ish creatures. 
And this episode was inspired by something I found recently online that people apparently have been obsessed with. The Icelandic uh, troublemakers known as the Yule Lads. Um, I was turned on to them by an art channel, which I will not name, because uh, they were drawing the Yule Lads because they have such interesting names. They are troublemakers. They come out during the holiday season and they are just, you know, some lads being out there. I and mean, heck, you have one that's Door Slammer, uh, Sausage Swiper, uh, Door Sniffer. I mean, hey, one slams, one sniffs. Oh, yeah, Sausage Whisper. Uh, bork, bork, bork. Hot Scraper. Candle Beggar. Deeper. Uh, Candle Beggar seems like a, uh, character in most games that I've run. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the rogue without dark vision. Right. <laughs> uh, what's that top one? Sheep something? Sheep coat clawed. Yeah. Yeah, literally, the dude is... The thing with him, apparently, is he just yells at sheep to disturb the flocks, but he's got, like, wooden legs and some other weird shit. He's basically ye old troll. <laughs> you know, uh. bowl liquor. Don't clean your bowls enough. Someone's gonna come and lick shit out of there, I guess. But these are just mischievous little pests. Pests, basically. And it's an interesting way to look into how you run your game. Is do you run Fey as just a bunch of numbers that you can take out of the equation by? reducing those numbers to zero, or do you actually have them be mischievous little shits? I don't think it's that they're mischievous. Their definition of fun is a little bit different well, than all the ordered mind They're folks. just mentally askew. <laughs> I mean, if you go by the book of the way they are described, oh, these ones always try to make deals that are no matter what always in their favor. Or these ones just love to fuck with people unless you give them gifts. I'm drawing off those aspects of the lore behind the creatures. Not just the stat blocks they give you in the bestiary or monster manual or any of that. Fair enough. Uh, I would think all the fate that I've run into have been uh, somewhere in the realm of stuff it in the bag and slap the bag against the tree until it stops screaming. That's usually the case because they're beyond irritating when a GM runs them. Mm. Uh, yeah, I could agree with that one. <laughs> Or they are a bunch of numbers and they are just nothing more than a fleshy speed bump. I yeah. prefer the latter, personally. <laughs> Goblin, we know you disagree with the Fae. This is not a new thing. No, not a new no. I don't. I don't disagree. They disagree. <laughs> and they're wrong. They have to cope with that. <laughs> just saying. At the same token, you know, Blasphemous does brings up, bring up a really good point. How do we bring races that are, you know, canonically known as mischief makers to really bring them depth, to bring them life in our games? Is It's something that's sort of a fine line, right? And the way I think about it is, like, Fey Folk are the GM's excuse to just fuck with their players. Straight up. If you're running the Fae in a clever way, you're just fucking with them, right? This is the kind of shit Goblin would pull on his, with his uh, undead ranger that was the moral compass. Oh yeah, we're just gonna cast alarm on your sword scabbard so that when you draw your sword, it's 
just a baby crying. No, a baby going, ooh, ooh, ooh. It was. It was actually one of the most epic pranks I pulled on another player character. <laughs> Especially and that because... that is some level bullshit. That, well, fey level bullshit, <laughs> I think one of the problems in Dungeons and & Dragons and most fantasy games is when people bring in and introduce fey to the game, they make it overt. Whereas fey are usually covert until you catch them. They're subtle motherfuckers, but once you got them, fine, you got me, let's make a deal. They're trying to fast talk their way out of it. It's, it's like... If I was doing a campaign and the group is traveling through the forest, they might mysteriously find that their stuff has been rearranged in the middle of the night or their tent flaps have been sewn shut. Little stupid shit like that that the Fae find hilarious. Oh, it's not... The act itself isn't hilarious. It's the reactions. Oh, it, oh yeah, it's the reactions that are hilarious, but most GMs that I've noticed bring in a Fae and the Fae immediately just goes to town. What do you got going on? So, I've used... I've used Fae... Uh, it was probably recently, in the last like three months, I um, I sent them down a rabbit hole, literally and figuratively. Uh, each different party member saw a different hallucination, and none of them could figure out what exactly the the, the issue was. It was like um, the barbarian kept chasing a white rabbit. Uh, the the uh, real Alice in Wonderland vibes here. The, the wizard, the wizard uh, kept finding a fox, uh, going through and taking all the rations, and then as soon as the fox was found, the rations would reappear, and there'd be another fox going through the rations. Uh, certain people would be missing things and would find them on the other players, but. Uh, it wasn't actually there. Like the, the 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 PC was like, I don't I don't have it. Like I don't see it. Why are you like like? Um, and it's just no one could figure out what the actual issue was. That's clever, Fay folk. No, I think the most clever Fay folk I could pull into a game, and I would do this if I was running a game right now, just to watch the players scream in terror. Is <laughs> I would just go into like Dungeons and Dragons uh, 3.5 or in Pathfinder. Find the Fae template and slap that on a false Hydra. Yeah, yeah, that's a way to make motherfuckers yeah. scream in terror. <laughs> you are mischievous and silly. There you go. Nice. <laughs> well, I think my favorite way to do it is the way I did it on my players, which Havoc was there for. So my inspiration for this was we were snowed in what two years ago yes, at the shop did we we couldn't get out I, I was able to run home and back because I lived so close to grab my books and I ran a BS campaign because everyone else was snowed in at the shop why not DM fuck it yeah so <laughs> they went out one night to try and find a monster in the woods and well no no one asked about any of the local legends or anything so it turns out it was a couple of brownies and these brownies just really wanted to fuck with them bad and they had a whole bunch of face strength sleeping powder <laughs> which doesn't affect an elf yeah. I will let you tell your they, side they, they, uh, they proceeded to torture me for the entire night while the other what two three party members were two. just hanging from a uh, from a tree sleeping dangling and they proceeded to like stuff dead mice in my mouth 
A uh, single dead field mouse. Uh, uh, tie dye color my hair, and mind you, I'm playing an elf. Um, they, what else did they do? Uh, was it so the way they had trapped you was you failed your reflex save? Um, yeah. Which I didn't think he would be able to do because he is, you know, a rogue. <laughs> an elf rogue. Hmm. But he, he epically failed. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they caught him in a trap, which was a net trap that pinned him against a tree. So they made him look like a sleeping doll in the tree. So they tore up the clothes of one of the other players because she was passed out, failed on getting her check to wake back up. And so her clothes were torn up and turned into what looked like a blanket. <laughs> She was then covered in, um, what was it, like poison ivy and stuff yep. to just make her itch. Yep. Ugh. Then the dwarf, who was a druid, had just this horrible, like, skunk glands just rubbed in his beard. And since then, we have always brought hard candies no matter where we go. This because is two in years game ago. Lore, if you if you go and you're sleeping out in a bit, you gotta leave out hard candies for the Fae, because that appeases them, which is actual lore. I believe it's Irish lore. You leave them sweet treats, and instead of having them bring donuts or something, I just made it hard candy, because if there's a few months between games, hard candy will keep. Hard I was just imagining, like, a couple of days later, an uh, American Spec Force team comes rolling through, <laughs> One of the guys looks up, sees you hanging from a tree, and goes, Hopper, he was skinned alive! <laughs> Get to the chopper! There's fairies out here! And yes, on occasion, my players have also just heard the giggling of childlike voices in the woods. Yup! That's how you fuck with them after you've done it. Fairies should be pranksters, they should be scary, and... The magical abilities they get, especially Polymorph, if you are creative with Polymorph, you can break the player characters. Yep. Yup. Oh yeah, we're gonna turn your dog into like a ant. No, Polymorph is a power spell by any other name, and I'm oh, not- Oh god, yes. I am not going to divulge the- The method. Not over the radio, we'll hear oh, this no. later. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna, no. <laughs> this is about power gaming without me building tactical nuclear intercontinental missiles. ICBMs? Yeah. I, yeah. He still has all the notes on how to make a Veritech in, what was it, D&D 3.5? 3.5, I can make a Veritech. The one, though, that was hardest, and I think actually fairies would love it the most, is I did make a 10 barreled minigun. Oh, dear. So ten fireballs per turn. Suck it. <laughs> I want the specs on that. Or you can mix uh, and match what each barrel fires. So you can do lightning bolts, fireballs, sonic blasts, meteor swarms. <laughs> Just whatever you damn Just all ten effects go off each turn as long as you keep the uh, trigger pulled down. <laughs> Although you do have to wait two turns for it to spin up, but that's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Tens of those spells in a single turn for two turns? That seems seems good. Seems like a good, good trade-off. Good yeah. trade. Yeah, fairies, uh, and like you did mention, though, uh, Blasphemous, you did check the lore, uh, the Irish lore, about hard candies. 
not the really shitty uh, TV movie where, you know, what if the main character was wrong and that she really wasn't killing somebody who was guilty? That leaves a lot of questions about vigilantism. But as far as fairies go, with Hard Candy, at least you looked up the uh, uh, legit lore, and I think that's one thing a lot of us GMs have failed on. Yeah, I mean... Well, maybe not. Maybe it's... This some is, of it's case are, by case. It's case by case. Case by yeah. case. This is from my perspective. A lot of GMs just bring them in, and they're basically nothing more than a carnival of wacky mischief. Or gore. For some reason, people default to, oh, these fey folk are gore fairies. Ah, yes. Red caps. Basically. Yep. There's but a reason they have th a different stat block. This is like one of the problems I had when they did Changeling the Dreaming for White Wolf Games back in the uh, early 2000s. We met a writer who worked on it. Yes, we did. Uh, everyone played a Puka wrong. There was Everyone played Puka basically like they were just shape-shifting Malkavians. You know, it, every uh, fey race in there had something about them that was off. And with the Puka, they could never uh, blatantly tell the truth. So everybody just played them like, oh, haha, I can't tell the truth, so I'm just going to say whatever I want. No, uh, if you really look at it, not only are they shapeshifters, they're master manipulators. They're mm -hmm. double speaking, they're back talking. You know, you don't know what they're saying is the truth, even though it's got a hint of the truth in it. They could tell you the complete and utter truth and just leave out one little detail, and it still counts. They just can't tell the absolute truth. Which is, like, if, if you know, oh yeah, you know, any white lie that you do or lie by omission, everyone's done it. Everyone's been like, where were you? I was with friends. Totally doing the girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Everyone's done that at some point, you know. Uh, stepdad smoked a cigarette, and now boinking the girlfriend in your buddy's bathroom. Exactly. Shit like that. Yeah, pukas are master manipulators. They're practiced at doublespeak and omitting facts or adding facts or providing false news or changing the narrative. <laughs> Red herring. But everywhere that I went, everybody always played a puka like they were just basically Malkavians and just relished in the fact that they could not tell the truth. The sky is green. The grass is blue. Yeah, great, dude. They're um, not crazy. They, they're they didn't they're duplicitous. Well. Oh, they were very I don't know. Duplicitous. Fey folk are usually the epitome of madness. Yes and no. The, well, they have their own set of life that they're looking at, and they get to watch mortal kind wandering by as passing attractions like we do TV shows. Right? Actors are doing their job, they're doing their stuff. Cool. Well, I'm going to change the channel now, because I'm bored. That's what the Fae are doing to people. It's just, they're doing it on a planar level. Whereas, you know, we've got a remote in hand. They're extra-dimensional beings if we were to put it in a, a frame of reference. Oh, yeah. They, the Feywild exists. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, they're, That's their home plane. They're creatures of pure magic, and magic is wild, free, untamable, and... In general, chaotic. And very chaotic, yeah. The worlds of magic are crazy shit anyway. And, you know, now you've got beings that are basically pure magic with sentience and, you know, cute little forms, right? Sometimes sweet tooths. Other times a thirst for blood. They all have something off, I believe the word you used was. 
off. Yeah. A little off. And And that's just how it goes. The Fae do this. And even on top of that, most of what they can... They don't follow the... Well, to look at it from a historical, uh, you know, context, they a lot of the Fae and stuff were just the old gods made fun of. They they were warped and twisted in the lore to make them seem lesser. Yeah. So any of the things that clashed morally wise were just given up to. Oh, and they're they're all mad. They all want to turn the world back on its head like it used to be. Uh, the other thing that um, just real quick as an aside here. One of the other things of going on the histories of the Fae is they get typecasted. Like all red caps are always typecasted as being very much the same. All enter caps are pretty much the same. I know enter caps aren't Fae, but they sound like Fae anyway. <laughs> you know, all slew are the same. All sea uh, are the same. All the unseelie court are the same, and all that stuff. But if we look in Scandinavian lore at trolls. <laughs> There's very a case lot by of case. Those. It's a very case by case, and strangely enough, the more south you get, the nicer the trolls get. They just kind of like screw with you a little bit. Like you throw them a ham hock, and you're all cool. It's like right. here, here's some meat. Let me go past the bridge. We're done. But <laughs> Look, you get leave to... the note. The keys stay here. The keys in the wallet stay in the bowl. Yeah, the Everything keys in the wallet stay in the bowl. Go ham. However, the more north you get in Scandinavian folklore with trolls, the more scary they get. To the point where, like, a ham hog would you got to throw them like your second cousin's nephew or your firstborn son. Mm-hmm. And that might buy you, like, a An glance. Hour. Or maybe your least favorite PC. Or your least favorite PC. <laughs> exactly. And fairy or uh, the fae are a lot the same way. Like, brownies, no two brownies should be exactly the same by stat blocks. That's just my little quick aside right. is... They, they should have some variance in the different temperaments, different personalities. Yeah. Even then, you were saying how it changes just for the, the Nordic styles. When you get into the English, Irish, and Scottish fae, there's all kinds that just are for your house. There's right. the fae that's in charge of the house itself because the timbers were made from its old home because it lived in that tree. Right. So now it is the fae of that house. And if you don't treat the house right, that fae is going to start fucking with you. Like, other than that, perfectly fine. You'll never actually see them. And they usually look like the first owner of the house because they spent so much time with them. Yeah. And And then you've got all these other fae where, like, if you don't, uh, you know, leave out a small saucer of cream uh, on, like, full moons, then this fae is going to fuck with your kids and cause them to be sick and all that stuff. And there's all kinds of stuff where just little things will keep them in those areas, but you start to vary around and their names change and their demeanor completely shifts. Oh yeah. One of the big parts is banshees are really big and they are considered part of the fae which is odd because they were supposed to be spirits but then they started morphing into magical creatures. So banshees is one of those weird gray lines. In some regards, so there's there's the undead variant the, the forced spirit withdrawal screeching eternal torment sort of shit. With very sexy legs, I might add. Some of them, yes. Others, not so much. Don't want to get one from a witch. Not not a great combo. But there's also banshees on just almost the spirit of the ancestors, which is a much more pleasant and, frankly, protective variant of it. And they're more on the face side because it's just sort of the will of ancestors pushing forward, right? Oh, all your granddads are smiling down from heaven. That's 
that's what banshees are. No, they're not. All my granddads are looking up from hell screaming. <laughs> Your case is different, but the idea is the same concept. That's what he gets for eating my Oreos. <laughs> and, like, you never steal a goblin's Oreos. <laughs> Just saying. For snickety little bastards. Well, technically, technically, and the reason I can get away with saying stuff like that is because goblins are technically fey, and elves are technically fey, and goblins and fey, or I mean goblins and elves are technically related. Deeply. Yeah, yeah it's, it's elves like, obviously got the ugly gene. No, no, no. Actually, no. The fun part is, I got into a conversation about this, and I almost wound up at a panel at a panel at last year's convention, uh, going over the myth lore of uh, fae, goblins, and elves, and all that. And Dobby, yeah. everybody's favorite little house elf, is a hobgoblin. Yeah, that sounds right. And hobgoblin means house goblin, and they refer to him as an elf. And it's actually true that Dobby is a house elf. Slash House Goblin. Yeah, there, there is a bridge on that, and it's actually in, I believe, old English folklore. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's also some of the Fae are not so bad. Like I think there's a Irish myth um, of a creature whose name I don't recall, who like, is basically a man with a wolf's head, right? Mm -hmm. And he gives houses fish. Basically, he he's you know, spending his time fishing and just, oh, that should be enough for you. Bam! Drop a bunch of fish on their doorstep and walk away. Ostensibly for four pa fa poor families, but I have no idea beyond that. And, you know, in its own right, the Fae, you know, this Fae is just like, it amuses me to make them, you know, live longer. So that's what I'm going to do. They all eat fish. Fish is plentiful. Fuck it. I can do fishing. And it's... It's something that simple, right? And the Fae, you know, as much as their grand arcing plans, wheels within wheels within wheels within, hey, I want to fuck with that guy. Within, hey, 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 let's fuck with the king. And even at the same time, all mischief, and this also takes us back to Brothers Grimm level of storytelling, not all Fae are overtly mischievous. I mean, look at Rumple Foreskin. Yeah. <laughs> he took time and effort into getting what he wanted. It was still mischievous at the end, but he was a plotter. Yeah. yeah. Not he all went fair for the gonna... long con. Yeah, he was going for the long game, the long con. He was just some lawn gnome with a pointy hat. I mean, it... and they've got the lifespan for it, so why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? And then, you know, there's on the other side of the token, there is overt mischief. Is you know, sewing the tent flaps shut. There's... Hey. I'm going to write my name in Sharpie on his sword. Or, you know, some other elvish curse or something like that. That's, that's more their style. I mean, if you're running a horror game, I guess... If you're doing horror and we got... What, what did you mention? Did you call them, like, slasher fey? Uh, gore fey. Gore fey. I mean, if you wanted to really, like... That is... Well, I'm, I'm drawing that from a whole other thing I'm not going to get into, but people use that as the shorthand for what kind they're running. Okay, I, I, if somebody was doing gorefay and they were being tricksy and didn't want to get caught, <clears throat> I okay. suppose the best way to have a fey attack a group 
is that the party of four, your fighter, your mage, your thief, your rogue, all wake up in the morning to find out that the cleric is the tail end of a adventurer centipede. Mm. That would be a fey prank on the gore side. Yeah. Not running up with a hammer, smacking somebody in the knee, and then running off cackling. No, like the... the Maybe super... the stupider ones would do that. Oh, the dumber ones, yeah. Well, see, one <laughs> of the, uh, the shorthand ways to do it, like the low-level one, is you've just got Faye going around cursing people to get, like, boils and all kinds of, like, to uglify them. But that's, like, the super bottom tier. And then you've got ones where, like, they're turning stuff into the bag of fucking devouring, you know. Now, I, I think a Faye prank, if they were going to be, you know, on the gore side, but not, like, super overt or horror le- movie levels of it, would do crazy things like stand on either side of a trail... And bend back tree branches. What? So as the party members go walking through it, they just let the tree branches go and smack people in the face. And just keep repeatedly doing this over the course of the day just to mess with someone. Mm-hmm. That seems more of a, a, a revelant uh, fey prank. Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. Totally. Or, even a, or even the fey are saying, you know, in their own way to stay out of our territory. That right. seems more fey-level mischief than anything else they really show in the books where they're just, you know, gore pixies. Right. And, you know, this brings it up, right? Stay out of fey lands unless you're invited. Well, one of the ways they tend to protect their lands is by forget-me trails. You start walking, and then you get lost. Even though you've gone in a straight line, all of a sudden you're back where you were. So you, you know, you're walking forward, and all of a sudden, hey, I passed that tree before. Did the tree move, or did... And you start turning around, and you get lost. It is classic, classic fey folk magic. And it's prevalent in, again, Scandinavian lore. Mm. Uh, the forest elves, and um, certain other, you know, on the magical side of the protect the forest bit, they use this technique a lot. It's very common, and it's also well within fey mischief. Because it's like... Hey, look! The goober's still lost! How long has he been here? Five years. How long has he felt? Two days. Oh, are you, speaking of which, you go to, uh, what's his name? The guy that fell asleep for a hundred years. Yeah. Um, Rip Van Winkle. There you go. Van Winkle. Yeah, uh, you know, just passed out, woke up. All of a sudden, you know, the people he knew are long and dead. You know, it's just one of those crazy things where the little kid he knew was an old, old man. Right. And, you know, time displacement is also another thing that the Fae do. Sometimes it's intentional. Most of the time it's not. Because time is variable there, rather than a fixed progression on most of the other planes. And this is in this is centric to the fact that it's a ridiculously magic-saturated zone. They're all fucking with it at some level. And it's basically just turned into this miasmic pool of energy that happens to have a landscape painted on top. Yeah. Faye seem to be like the magical equivalent of a psychopomp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally almost every SCP I can think of is more than likely just Faye. Yeah. Maybe the SCP Foundation itself is the Faye. Well, that is one of the SCP-001 um, stories that's out there, is that there was, uh, the Fey folk lived in North America, uh, and 
they ended up being enslaved in a factory. So now the factory pumps out all the SCPs that get loose and wander the world. It's well, at least it's not a factory. It makes toys that get distributed all throughout the world once a year. <laughs> Tis the season to bring that topic up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Starting prep work for next year, I'd hope. Yeah, so I am surprised. You know, of all the individuals on the planet that should get sued for copyright infringement and trademark uh, <laughs> overstepping, he doesn't. I figure of all things, Mattel would be the first ones to step up, followed by Hasbro and and just start. Duplo, you know, see, the moment they even start thinking about that, you got a pair of elves showing up to break your kneecaps at your door. Oh, uh, that's true. That's yeah, what because he employs a shit ton of elvish fay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of, Bunch of gore elves show up and never mess with a cobbler gnome. <laughs> no, no. We all know the story about the, you know the, the, how good those little bastards are with hammers. Especially when they run the nail so long through the sole of the shoe that's in your foot. I also think uh, on, on on another side here, it just kind of hit me because there's actually a video I want to show you because mm-hmm. he does not like La Llorona. La Yarona, it's Yarona. Yarona, what a nine Coronas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. The the she looked great, looked great, but I woke up with Ricky Lake after nine Coronas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, anyway, uh, there's a video uh, uh, that and in the same one where they show like the, this screeching woman on an island down there uh, in South Central Mexico. They also have like videos of. Equivalently, basically, Mexican fairies running around, you know, spooking children and stuff. And then you get into more of the uh, southwestern United States, and you got those little bastards. I mean, awesome little dudes. (laughs) Kachinas. Kachinas. Whereas if you're walking around and you find a doll in the desert, run. Don't stop. Don't look at it. Just turn around 180. Keep going. (laughs) Do not stop until second star on the right, then keep going some more. And I think one of the things that we as GMs need to remember also when introducing Faye into our games, uh, it's, it's the same thing as when we're building a campaign. What's the main theme? What's the main bad guy? Are we doing undead? Are we doing aberrations? Is this going to be political intrigue? Faye are much the same way that we got to remember that if we're bringing in pucks and brownies and um, skiing Nordic troll munchkins... We stick to that region of the world. We don't try to sprinkle in something that's uh, inspired from another region of the world in real life or even in fantasy. Yeah, and, you know, just like with... The Fae in their own right are almost a campaign unto themselves, right? You, It is handily easy to just do, oh yeah, you got like four Fae they are fucking with you because they got bets on who's going to die first. Well, if you run a Fae, like a true Fae... Uh, similar to the way that they're presented in the uh, White Wolf 3rd Edition uh, game, and you were to incorporate this into D&D, I could see how that could actually turn into the primary antagonist real easily. Oh, yeah. It's because when you get a super powerful fae walking around, they are a force of nature. Very literally. Very literally. A force of nature. Like dryads, arguably fae descendant. Oh, yeah. And we as... Pity little mortals are their playthings. <laughs> That's a campaign in all of itself as the player characters get roped into a giant chess game. Like, when, when you think about it, oh my God. we are ants, and they're the ones with the magnifying glass. 
I, I just remembered Mr. Mixelplix, the modern day fay. Extra dimensional being that pops around DC changing canon. He literally went in and changed all of Batman into a fucking show for like 10 comics. He, he is an extra dimensional being that can just change shit at will. That is a modern fay that's brand new, but he was made in like the fucking 40s. He's probably still based off of something else, but yeah, he. Yeah. he I think Mr. Mitzelblick would definitely fall into the Fey category if. Yeah, somewhere high the up there on the power. Well, he is. He's very tricksy, and just like Fey, he does have a weakness. Which is usually in the power of names. Yeah, if you speak his name backwards, he'll vanish. And a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of Fey and myth lore, like other supernatural creatures, have a definitive. Name magic is a true magic, and because they are such inherently magical creatures, name magic is absolute over them. Which is why, you know, reverse... Not me. Fae descendants have it, so ch have it diluted more as generations get farther away. Yes, but I, I specifically, uh, my first, like, legitimate name is all silent letters. <laughs> Pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What about you, Havoc? How do you run Faye in your games? Um, I guess I haven't really run Faye all that much. I've only really mainly DM'd uh, probably close to three like good games. One's going on for what, three years now? Um, but, like, I, Faye hasn't been a primary force. I've only just now started to get into it, because like it, you, you guys said, it adds a uh, it, trickery it, value to it. And, you know, the other thing about this, it, you know, it got me thinking a little bit. Anytime you do have Faye that live in an area, the locals are going to talk about it. They're going to have some weird Offset, uh, F-A-E. There you go. Oh, no, you can look up, uh, Faye Ray. <laughs> she was actually pretty good looking for that era. Yeah, can't disagree. Um, but, like, the local legends, you know, every woodcutter in town is gonna, or every child in town is gonna be like, yeah, don't go into that wood after night. Bad shit happens, you don't want to be there, and there's no guarantee we'll ever see you again. Don't do it. And so you you get this local le legend because that is the the local residents' method of coexistence is the best word. Just stay out of our space. We'll stay out of yours. I, I think also for a great example of fake trickery, and I know they're spirits in real life, uh, their classification anyway, and all that. But if one were to look at Japanese myth lore, the way a lot of the supernatural denizens... Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the yokai branching hierarchy yeah, the, of everything. The branching hierarchy of everything. Uh, one of the best ones, I believe, is uh, the Tanuki, <laughs> which is hilarious as hell. <laughs> and you will never look at Mario... Again. Uh, again, the same way when you realize that a Tanuki is sporting a pair of bowling balls... It's worse than bowling balls because if they... I forget what it is. They have to do a certain thing. Otherwise, they keep growing. Yeah, they just got... 
Yeah, they, they put everybody to shame. Even an elephant goes, wow, damn, put that thing away. <laughs> uh, that's bigger than my trunk. But there's a story about a Tanuki who acts in a very fey manner, and he's basically like a guardian for a local village. And despite the fact that it is definitely not a family-friendly story, he rescues said village because they need to cross a small chasm to get across, and he just, you know, rubs one out and lays down the log so they can all cross. <laughs> but, like, halfway through, like, the people stop appreciating the fact that Tanuki is helping them out, you know, and a few of them, you know, do things that the Tanuki explicitly said. Hey, don't do this. Don't, don't do this. And that's a very fake thing. It's, bar uh, again, bartering deals, making deals, and people started breaking the deal. And, and the Tanuki's like, okay, comes. fine, I just go soft. And half the village dies because of somebody breaking the deal. And so even Japanese legends also branch into the Fey realm, where you got deal-making, deal-breaking, strange powers, and essentially spiritual beings who are quasi-immortal and definitely separated from normal mortal society. Yeah. Um, things like, in its own way, legends about, say, river dragons, right? could easily be attributed to Fey, you know, a small Fey commune, a Fey circle, that's just living there and taking care of the river. And there's enough of an argument that Fey are so pervasive in magic that anything magic can link back to the Fey. Well, and then it, it gets real interesting when you start talking about infernal things, you know, demonic things, by even the pre-Christian era design of it. The dark and evil spots were literally just the more concentrated chaos and evil. Yeah. Um, and then you get into Native American stuff. I mean, Coyote the Trickster is damn near universal. It's him and Raven are the two most, you know, the, yeah. trickery of them. Huh. Now you think about it. Yeah. It hadn't even occurred to me because I haven't delved too much into the, the Native American myth mythos. Oh, I, I grew up with it, so... Cool stuff. But again, that sounds very fey. Like, maybe it's the same guy, but it. Well, it'd be seems easy like to say that the fey world and the spirit world overlap in many areas. Mm -hmm. Quite easy. Like, when you look at dryads, naiads, pixies, as they're portrayed in popular mythos. Wait, you look at dryads? You are bold, sir. No, oh, he likes it when they got a little wood. Oh. <laughs> I can't say you're wrong on either front, but at the same token, it's all about how you conceal yourself. You just have to be clever with it. Now, again, but because they're spirits of things, these, you know, pixies, dryads, nixies, whatever, they are spirits of living things or places and... They are also fey because of their distinct nature. So it's very easy to see where the spirit and the fey mix into one sort of wacky mesh. I don't know if I had to disguise it, sometimes I'd just put a book in front of me if I was at school. Yeah. Sorry, I was holding that back. Yeah, well, I was just wondering, um, actually, Kaz, uh, when, when you were flubbing there for a moment, I was just wondering, when we were... Getting a little hard on you with the, you know, the joking there and stuff. Did that give you a little wood? You know, a little teak? Eh. Mahogany action? I see where you're going with it, mm -hmm. but I've known you motherfuckers for too damn long. So you're saying it was more balsa? 
<laughs> Something tells me he's a bit of cottonwood there. Oh, a little on the soft side, a little cottonwood. <laughs> Trying to catch yourself some pussy willow. <laughs> he was pining for it. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh the puns. <laughs> You're barking up the wrong tree, guys. Uh, okay, let's get back to the root <laughs> of fucking Faye, alright? <laughs> uh, I don't know. We just can't leave this alone, can we? I don't know, I'm on pins and needles over here. <laughs> okay, guys, enough with the sappy puns. <sighs> I don't think we can mushroom this around, can we? No. No. I, I just—I think it's actually funny because while we're talking about these things, of course, uh, one of our podcasters here is now distracted by the internet, and he's like surfing through uh, stuff. I'm trying to find. So what I usually try to do is when we start to run into a slower sec, uh, section, or someone is bringing out more of the information we need in order to have something to go off of, I usually try and look up something to try and spur it along. Well, no, wait, well, this isn't spurring me along at all. Actually, it's kind of hilarious because half of the pictures you're, you're going across, mm-hmm. and we're talking about fairies, mythological creatures who have a notorious habit of messing up people's days if they get bent out of shape. And here, and of course, you stop on that. <laughs> and they're like, oh, are cutesy or super friendly or really artistically done to be as attractive as possible. And no, that's not a fae. No. No. That's a glamour of a fae. It's like a oh. glamour, yes. Speaking of, that was one of my favorite things I was looking into when I was looking at the changing stuff, was the glamours, the the, the magical changings and stuff. And I, oh man, to play basically an illusionist would be great for that. But that would have to be definitely more of a socially combat game. That would have yeah. to be a lot more RP, a lot more in town kind of stuff because trying to pull that in a combat campaign no wouldn't work maybe just had to mention social combat yes i feel like i should share that pain around you know just rub it in i mean it's in all the core books now it's just everywhere just rub that salt right on in yeah and it, it is another interesting aspect of the phase these glamours actually right they're commonly portrayed as these fairly attractive things, but that's super simple. It's like, bam, I look sexy. And you, it doesn't matter what you actually look like. The pe- person on the other end of the spell, if they fail their save, is going to be like, damn, you're hot. Does that mean most traditional Eastern European vampires who have the ability to make themselves look better than they really are are also fairies? I think it's more that they thrive off of a pact with Fae. Yeah, there's that. Because uh, that a would, lot of them would have made a deal with some sort of devil or something. Yeah, that would that would fit a, a, a Feywild pact. You know, as long as they're honoring their end of the deal, they get nifty tools, you know, fun shenanigan toys and some... But the fucked up part of the deal is you gotta suck blood from only your family members, which is an Eastern European type of vampire. Oh, Jeez. All sorts of stuff. I just, I'm sorry, man, but I've seen some Eastern European women, and I mean, no insult or anything, but some of those babushka ladies, <laughs> I would rather go back to being immortal than have to try to nibble into that giant gobbit of fat. <laughs> oh my god, you just reminded me of babushka tossing. 
Yeah, he's... <laughs> no, it's uh, it's actually kind of funny, you know. It's just like the the whole aging thing of different peoples. But Babushka Lady is like number one. Just creep me the fuck out. It's like, you know, ten years old, cute. Twenty years old, doable. Thirty years old, marriage material. Forty years old, still kicking it. Fifty years old, not bad. Sixty, holy shit, what happened? <laughs> Well, and brick wall. It's kind of like with Asian women. They just hit that wall. Sometimes it takes them forever, but once they hit it, oh boy. Now that's fairy magic right there. They're glamoured for like 50 years and then bam, once it goes wears off, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> Coyote done punked me on this one. <laughs> what the fuck happened, man? Uh, but, I mean, that, that's definitely one of the more interesting parts is as a GM, you could bring in a fae who's literally just selling glamours, you know. Oh, Cursed, yeah. Uh, hats of disguise, where the longer you use it, the worse you actually look in real life, you know. Uh, you could be selling potions that were made by a fae that have just a little bit of fuck with you. Oh, yeah, it heals you, but now you just start turning into another race by the skin deep, you know. Right, or, you know, another fae thing that would that they would do. Oh, yeah, it's a healing potion. You're just going to smell like bear for the next week. Or you're just going to smell like Skittles in bear country. Yeah, yeah. Equally possible. Equally possible and quite as bad. <laughs> you know, you look the part, but all of a sudden, man, your voice you just starts sounding more and more like a goat. <laughs> right? Or, um, oh yeah, you get, a, you get a, a back to puberty moment and your voice starts cracking. You know, that would be on the more... Very simple side of it, but it's that'd be hilarious for the barbarian when he goes into rage mode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> you. <laughs> that would be Faye, That would be something very funny, and I could see the Fay doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's it's not gonna actually cause you a great deal of harm, but it's going to just fuck with you. Just poke the bear. Well, not, not all hey, fairies malicious fault. and vindictive, though, however. But we are, of course, staying on topic that they are uh, mischievous by nature in, in many aspects. Mm -hmm. They'll fuck with you. They'll fuck Unless with you. you piss them off or you broke the deal. Then, they'll, then they will fuck you up. Or worse, you break their heart. Right. Oh, yeah, you don't fuck with Feywild. Or they will trap you in the actual Feywild. And then you... You can never actually leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they would bring you on the, the so, great hunt, correct? Uh, yes, so there's, there's several variants, um, but in general, the Feywild, the, the Fey homeland, whatever it's called, whatever that nation's tongue speaks it of, is a place invitation only, and time is fucky. If you understand these two things, you can kind of understand the Feywild. But if you don't understand those things, you wander in there or get, you know, invited in because your, you know, your cute little dryad wife is like, come over here. Like, we'll, we'll just go build our house over here. It'll be fine. Come on. You know, it's a good area. And then you're trapped there for who knows how the fuck long. And you, if you ever leave, if you ever leave, it could be as few as two seconds and as far as 3,000 years have gone by, even though it's only been about ten minutes. Do you realize how fucked up that suggestion was? A dryad wants to build a house. I know. Who's to say? Like, that's not the sort of thing a dryad actually wants. So, you know, 
think about that. That's a great level of trust there as a dryad lumberjack. (laughs) (laughs) Two ways to go about it. I mean, one way doesn't harm the tree. And there's plenty of other ways just looking at it. You know, they, they could purposely try to goad a party of adventurers into the Feywilds as a sport and just see how long they last. Yeah. Again, this heralds back to what I mentioned like 20 minutes ago, is that you can have actually Fey be the primary antagonist. And it would actually be really great because it's not your typical BBEG number 4321. It's actually just a Fey playing around. They're not actually doing anything evil. They're just entertaining themselves. Full chaos, not so much evil. A little bit of chaos, a little bit of evil, a little bit of uh, maliciousness, but... They're not really out to conquer the world or raise an undead army. It wouldn't be the first time that they've done this. Probably. 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 It could be just like Tuesday. The, yeah, it could be just like the fairy courts. You know, it's um. Well, it's autumn. It's time for the game to be played again. Right. The yeah. what was it? I know, I think the the uh, kingdoms of Amalur reckoning. Oh God, the most boring game ever. <laughs> right. They took the. The Courts of the Fae, the Summer and the Winter Court, as a permanent looped cycle, right? Their stories are all recreations that happen again and again every year, right? So they just, they die, they come back, have some beer, go back and do it again when it's time, right? And that that was their take on it, and it's sort of an interesting perspective to think that, you know... Sometimes the Fae are stuck in these little short loops. That is their entire life. And yes, I'm sure my stomach growling was caught on voice. I think we actually got that on the microphone. <laughs> there, there it goes. <laughs> I, I think we got your stomach growl on microphone. It's all yeah. them big gaps. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's another interesting take on it. And for them, they just didn't understand that mortals don't return to the fold. It's just unfathomable because, well, we do it. It happens every year. Why can't they? It doesn't occur to them that their pranks are very fatal. Because we traded the ability to go back into the fold for salsa con verde. (laughs) (laughs) Salsa verde. Salsa verde and... Carne con carne. <laughs> meat on meat. Uh, <laughs> hey, tell me something better than meat on meat. <laughs> you really want to go there? You meat on meat with cheese. It's like that that Burger King thing they had. No, it was um, KFC, you know? Oh, the, the stacker? The, yeah, like the chicken was the bun. Yeah. You put meat in the middle. <laughs> oh, no, it was weird when you got the grilled one. Well, I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, I just got that feeling again. Just actually, got a feeling. What's that? Fey food. We Never haven't actually touched about it. We all know what they eat. And the, the fun part is, in most games, they also throw their food at the player characters because whenever anybody gets pelted with a bunch of acorns, bam, food fight. Yes, but at the same token, there is a lot of mythos around fairy food being spelled deeply. So you don't eat fey food unless you can trap them into con- into being certain it's 100% safe for you. 
Or if you're in a certain sequel and you go travel to the town of Nilbog, you don't eat anything that's green. Mm. Oh, worst it movie depends. ever. It depends no, on the region. Uh, no, okay. actually, no. That is no longer the worst movie ever. Rise of Skywalker actually beats that one out because at least Troll 2 had a coherent storyline. True. <laughs> the characters actually had goals. They didn't have to spend double the budget on reshoots. That's right. <laughs> Technically, Troll 2 is a better movie than Rise of Skywalker. I think it had a better romance than Twilight in it, too. It still had a better romance. Anything was better than Twilight. No, but like the characters in Troll 2 actually had goals that they had to work towards, and it just wasn't a matter of convenience. Yeah. Sure, the acting was like high school level. Hey, but I'll take that over Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> At least they're trying. At least they tr attempted to make more facial expressions than Ray. <laughs> At least, you know, the facial expression was, you know, Ray's eyebrows and open mouth. That's surprise. Ray's eyebrows and open mouth. That's anger. <laughs> Raise eyebrows, open mouth. Now it's a porno. Yeah. Such versatility. There was actually a guy who's uh, he was playing a drinking game with his friends. It was like take a drink every time Ray closes her mouth. They were all still sober at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Twilight, those okay. motherfuckers are fake. Those what? are not vamps. Sparkle vampires? Yeah, that's Faye. That's Faye Glamour. It has everything Faye written all over it. Ah, Twilight. The classic story of one girl's choice between bestiality or necrophilia. Mm. Oh, hey, you know, it's one of those movies that starts out with a pedophile trying to hunt down some underage. Well, he was Mormon. Oh, he was, a, what, 109? Not a lot could have changed in that much time. I... Actually, I really don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. That's just the argument that's been put forth to me a couple times. Is Oh, yeah, it's just a pedo movie that starts out. All I know about Twilight is um, what the memes told me. It just looked so uninteresting. You didn't miss much. I'm just waiting for the upcoming uh, Fifty Shades of Ray. <laughs> really need that. <laughs> Well, you know, she refuses to sign anything. Yeah. She doesn't listen to anyone, wants to do it her own way. Dude, there's actually some really good stuff on YouTube. Like, um, at the end of Rise of Skywalker, when she's asking her all the Jedi to be with her, she's actually asking them for future advice to uh, continue having an acting career. <laughs> nice. Which uh, Hayden Christensen just answers, Liar! <laughs> um, anyway, I, I'm I'm at the end for um, yeah. Faye, well, we've as you can pretty tell. much gotten through this one. So, final thoughts, anybody? Faye, I, I'm starting to fade here. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll get your glamour ready there, Gabo. Yeah, yeah. Don't mean to pixie you apart. <laughs> you know, actually, it's. I, do you okay. got to go drop some brownies at the pool? No, actually, I've got to do this because I've been trying not to do it the whole episode. I'm just going to do it anyway. But I was a uh, Boy Scout, and I got kicked out for eating a couple of brownies. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm going to hell. <laughs> yeah, you are. I'm going to first class one way. <laughs> See you there. Turn the escalator on high. <laughs> no, they're just going to hand you a parachute to no, jump. It's full of lead. God damn it. 
Discord. <laughs> oh, we almost made it through an episode without computer noises. Almost. Almost. Anyway, Tragedy. yeah. I've got nothing. That's me for the week. Uh, my final thoughts on the Fae. Uh, the most advice I can give to any aspiring GM for running the Fae is actually look up the real life, uh, real world mythos, not just what's written in the player books. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you need to go deep lore when you start messing with the Fae. Because otherwise... Go deep. <laughs> yes, yes. Otherwise, they're, they're going to feel shallow, and it's not going to feel like it's got the same impact. Like, blasphemous, you know, occasional children giggling off in the distance. That's Fae. I That's... play the audio. Oh, yeah. Every single time. <laughs> and then and everyone immediately reaches for the bag of hard candy and throws it on the table. Yep. <laughs> Jolly Ranchers, uh, Zots. I don't know. What did we do last time? Uh, I don't remember. No, we still had Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, yeah. Jolly Ranchers is typically the go-to because we needed a, a giant bag and that'll last for a couple sessions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, um, you know, the main thing is, is that you have, just like playing Chaotic Smart, you have to play the Fey Chaotic Smart. They don't want to get caught, or if they do, it's part of the game. Havoc, what you got? I'm... It, this... It, it, Fey is just... It's difficult for me. I... I... I, I have different... Uh, Experience sorry. standards? Yeah. I have different... Uh, I've, I've... Coming from uh, Fey from uh, fantasy and like reading, because I'm a big book nerd, it... They typically view it as more of the... Um, Deals, not really trickstery, but more of um, like they're they're always out to better themselves. Whatever means necessary type thing, they're always gonna come out on top. So it, it's just this has been a difficult topic for me to solve. Um, but it, it's been very enlightening, and uh, it's actually helped me plan a couple of things for my campaign. <laughs> See, we're winning. We're winning. We're inspiring DMs. I like it. So, my final thoughts here. If you're going to run Faye, come up with the rules of how they operate and stick to those rules. Write them down in ink. Keep it on your GM screen. Keep it in your notes. This is how the Faye operate and keep them consistent. That is the hardest thing to do, I know, but keep your Faye consistent. Darth Blasphemous signing off. Kazakhan, back to the skies. I think that's you, Abby. Oh. I, I, I see you later. <laughs> Maybe next time. I don't know. I don't have one yet. Game Goblin, going back to my crib.